guys and welcome to Tada's Life. Today I've got an episode which I actually am a little bit nervous for and I don't normally get nervous for podcasts but we've got the head of fostering Alistair Cope on the podcast and we're going to talk about the future of foster care in Wales and how Alistair got to his job now. So without further ado let's welcome Alistair to the podcast. Hello Alistair and welcome. Hiya Taylor it's great to be with you this morning. Thank you very very much it's honestly so amazing to have you here on the podcast like I try and raise awareness about being in foster care in my everyday life so to be able to speak to the person that can make change and does make change actually is like huge for me so thank you oh it's it's a massive honor for me to be invited and um, I'm really pleased to be able to speak to you today about about fostering in Wales thank you thank you so I'm just going to give you the lowdown a little bit about me and then if you give me the lowdown about you. So I grew up in foster care from the age of four until 18. So I was in the foster care system for a really long time. But I was really lucky to be with my sister, which I know sometimes doesn't happen. And, you know, it's very, very complicated to keep entire sibling groups together. But yeah, I was very, very lucky. And then I ended up going to university, which again is another shocking thing because only 6% of care leavers go to university. So that was another huge thing. But I would just want to hear a little bit about you. So did you grow up in the care system at all or was it something else that led you into this career path? No, I didn't grow up in the care system myself. I actually had a best friend who we were kind of inseparable growing up. Um, And he lived with his grandmother and grandfather. And he was brought up by them. So, you know, having that surrounding of somebody who was really, really close to me, and I still regard him as as one of my best mates, um, ha- having him grow up, you know, away from his birth parents um, and in the care of his grandma and granddad probably did have an impact. Um, and my background is in youth and community work. Okay. That's- so I've worked with children and young people all my life. Um, and having a kind of 10 year grounding working with individual children and young people on a daily basis including care experienced children as well um really kind of prompted me to kind of want to make a difference so yeah my story is really i did did 10 years in youth and community work um i then towards the end of that stint really started working with individual uh, care experienced young people and particularly those who were kind of moving on into independence and recognised a massive gap in terms of children and young people not having necessarily the skills to kind of be able to move out at 18 as it was back then. Um, so I set, established a project that kind of came up with this concept one night um, and we did some residentials with with groups of, of young people who were kind of getting ready to leave care. And we take them away for the weekend and we do team building activities with them and throw them on a, a high ropes course. But we'd also do some stuff around budgeting and teaching them how to cook and how to iron a shirt and how to apply for a job and all the kind of fundamental skills that you need as a as an adult um crammed into one weekend and from there went on to get a job supporting um care leavers into employment and did that for five years and set up a variety of projects one of the best things we did was um one of the council cafeterias are closed and I reopened it as a training academy for care experienced young people. So they come on board, we teach them knife skills, we teach them barista skills and get them a certificate in that. So we had numerous young people kind of going on to get a job in Costa and Starbucks at the end of it. 
um and that was a real real proud moment for me but but from there really recognized that there was the, the young people that I'd supported and, and loads of them I'm still in contact with today um the ones that went on to do really well and go on to university and get, kind of go on to full-time employment were the ones who had a really stable really supportive um fostering household and a foster carer there kind of championing them and advocating for them and supporting them on a daily basis so it kind of led me to have an interest in fostering uh, and led me to kind of think well if if this is kind of the route to supporting care experienced children onto independence and onto success in life then let's make it even better and obviously when a job came up within fostering as a development manager I went for it um and I've been working in that arena for the last four or five years before this job uh, and then the job came up as head of foster wales um and through the variety of programs I've I'd set up in my own region to to improve fostering uh, managed to get the job so now I'm in a big scary position <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing that you managed to like make all of these changes and you know there's always room for improvement in terms of like foster care and stuff but I'm really really like glad to hear that there's changes been put in place already because I've been out of the system now for four years and yeah again it's changing constantly all the time so it was really interesting when you said earlier about the children or young people that ended up going to university had a stable um foster home and stuff but for me for example not that i didn't have a stable home but i knew when i got to 18 i was like okay then Mm -hmm. it's on me do you know what i mean so i think as well for a lot of young people who do end up going there to their own like sort of drive because I know homelessness is something that um, a lot of young children or young people in foster care end up going they end up in homeless shelters or in hostels or on the streets even and I think if you do have like this desire sometimes you really really have um, a drive and like all Mm -hmm. young people in foster care that I know of have this this drive like no other like they're so determined i mean the 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 young people that kind of i'm still in contact with today are are some of the most resilient people i've ever met um and i've had that kind of drive and desire to want to kind of get on in life despite all the challenges despite all the adversity that they've been through um and despite often the trauma that they've been through as well um the fact that they want to go on and, and get a job they want to go on and be you know parents of their own and um they want to kind of succeed and have their own house their own car all that kind of stuff that sometimes people take for granted but actually when you've been through the care system and you've been through all that adversity you know just to kind of hold down a what we class as a relatively normal life is is a huge challenge for a lot of people and that's why it's so important that that young people have got the right support yeah. and got the support of a, of a foster carer or a, another individual who supports them and there's a great guy called Josh Ship, who's an American guy. Uh, he grew up in the care system himself, and he talks about the power of one care in adult um, and the difference that that can make to a child's life. Yeah, definitely. And um, I'm just interested to hear a little bit about your work, but I am going to be checking out that. Was it Josh? Josh what, Josh Ship. Josh, I'm going to be checking out some of the things that he's done and put online. But I would love to hear a little bit more about like what your job entails. So you're the head of Foster Wales. So 
do you do everything so you are the boss of all of the foster um groups in wales then i guess so it's it's a bit different to that so obviously within within wales we've got um a number of different fostering agencies but we've also got 22 uh, local authority fostering services so foster wales really was established a couple of years ago now um as a, a collaborative, a kind of coordination, a national network of 22 local authority fostering services. Um, so it's about us working together as local authority fostering services, which is still fairly new to us only in the last couple of years, uh, basically to improve things, um, to make things better for our foster carers um, and to make things better for our young people in care as well. Um, our, our ultimate aim is to um, make sure that children and young people in care are really well supported through some well supported foster carers. So it's all about recruiting more foster carers for the local authorities. It's all about uh, retaining the ones we, we've got and making sure that they're supported and they're, they're looked after themselves and that they're, they're kind of, they've got all the, the training that they need. They've got all the support that they need on a daily basis. So we still 22 different organizations so each organization will have its own kind of management arrangements and there'll be a fostering team manager and my role really is to link in with all those different team managers we've got six regional development managers across wales as well who really drive our work program forward uh, and i also work with all 22 heads of children's services as well to make sure that what we're delivering is, is fit for purpose it's fit for purpose for our children um, and for our foster carers as well so it's all about looking at ways we can improve things for both children and for foster carers um, and obviously recruiting more foster carers as well across Wales. That's amazing. And what are you doing at the moment to recruit um, more foster carers? Because there's been a huge decline since COVID and even I know that and I'm not even in foster care mm -hmm. anymore. So what are you putting in place to ensure that we are getting more foster carers? Yeah, so obviously we, we have seen the decline in the foster carer population across Wales, um, you know, over recent years, over the last 10 years or so. Uh, and there's a need for an additional 600 households across Wales. So we, we've got an active plan in place to try and make sure that that happens. So that is uh, driven forward by a really comprehensive kind of marketing and recruitment strategy, uh, making sure that our message can get out, out there to people. Um, we just in the process of developing a, a new uh, national television ad, which will go live in January, which is really exciting. I was actually on the film set in Barry last week, kind of overseeing, just kind of checking in and making sure everything was going to plan. So that's really, really exciting that we can get, you know, an advert out in the middle of Coronation Street, for instance, right across the country to tell people about the need we've got for foster carers and to encourage people to come forward. But we also use social media. We use blogs. We use face to face events a lot as well. So we're out and about in the local communities. And what we want to make sure is that, you know, that people who perhaps haven't considered fostering in the past that have come from other relevant professions or that have, have just got an interest in wanting to support children and young people, um, that they kind of consider fostering for the first time. And then the ones that have considered fostering, we want to make sure that they come to local authorities first port of call. So this is all about promoting local authority fostering. Obviously, there is other agencies out there. Um, we're fully aware of that. 
But the, the kind of glaring stat for me is that 85% of the time when children are placed with a local authority foster carer, they can stay in their own community. They can stay close to their own schools, their own friendship groups, their own family for you know family time and things like that. Um, whereas we know when we place with other agencies, it, that stat declines to 30%. So it's really, really important actually if people are considering foster care uh, and considering becoming foster carers, then they come to the local authorities first, put a call, as well as all the fantastic local support that we offer as well. You know, we've got foster carers groups established. We've got um, kind of groups for children, young people in care and, and events that they can come to and kids Christmas parties and all that kind of stuff that goes on. Um, we are kind of really active and we know people's own local communities. So that's just another benefit of, of fostering with your local authority, as well as obviously the fact that you know, some agencies do make a profit out of um, foster care. Obviously, as local authorities, we don't. Yeah, do you know, the fact that you said that I was going to mention it anyway, it's something that doesn't sit right with me. Um, agencies benefiting off young people struggling in, like, life, I think that just doesn't sit well with mm -hmm. me at all. And, like, as somebody who grew up in the local authority um, foster care, like, it's all right to be fair like it's not that bad like I managed to stay in pretty much the same schools throughout my life and, really and again like like I mentioned earlier my sister and I we stayed in the same home together so we were twin well we are we're not were twins we are twins um so yeah. I feel like if we went into a foster agency that wouldn't have maybe been the case so I feel like what you stand for is right. But I was um, just gonna ask a little bit more about the homelessness statistics. And I believe it's something like over half end up on the streets or either in jail. So what does how does that make you feel? Like as somebody who is the head of Foster Wales, how does something like that make you feel? Yeah, I mean, there is a really high proportion of those who are homeless, those who are in our prison populations have come from a care experience background. You know, I don't think it's necessarily the case that half of our care leavers end up homeless or in prison, but we know that such a high proportion of people with addictions, people with mental health uh, difficulties, people in prison, people who are homeless, there's a really high proportion that have, have come from a care experience background. And obviously we need to solve that stat. We've got to get to the bottom of it and solve that through a, you know a really comprehensive strategy of making sure that when it's right children and young people can stay with family and when it's not safe for them to do so they've actually got a really stable uh, home life you know be that through a residential home be that through fostering um, and obviously my responsibilities and my drive um, and my background has all been in children and young people so I've got a real passion for seeing um, children and young people who particularly care experience go on to get some really good outcomes in life um, and I think the way we're going to change that is by having the availability of fostering households that we got so we can make sure that there's the right maps there's the right kind of consideration of a child's needs in terms of where they're going to be placed making sure that they can stay in their own local communities and, that, and that's going to be solved through people fostering with the local authority uh, and the more foster carers re that we can recruit the more children that we can kind of keep stable kind of keep at a continuum of uh, of of having the friendship groups close by and and all the things that are really really important to a child's stability as well as having the right training for our foster carers to be able to deal with some of the trauma that children have gone through as well 
Yeah, definitely. I think people don't realise how difficult it is as a young person to be thrown into a different home. And it's something Absolutely. that I feel like I would have liked maybe growing up. So, and maybe something that you could maybe think about for the future of care experienced people, but to have counselling as a get-go mm. from like day one when you enter that care system somebody to speak to about it because it's really really difficult and you know a lot of like your peers especially in school wouldn't have a clue why you were living with one person one day and living with somebody else a different day but the fact that you have already started to make change and like the fact that like you're totally aware of the statistics and mm. a challenge in them and hoping that going to make a huge difference is really, really exciting to hear as somebody who has been through the care system. And on a personal note, I've got a maybe slight reasoning as to why some people end up in the situations that they may find themselves in. And I think it's just the idea of they want community they want that sense of belonging so mm. that might end up being in a drugs group or a drinks group or whatever but it's like the sense of family I guess so belonging. yeah belonging somewhere because when you grow up in foster care it's the constant cycle of rejection like you feel like people don't want you around so maybe if you do find that one group maybe it isn't a good group but it's a group nonetheless, you feel slightly belonged. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's just really, really interesting to hear your sorts of views and opinions on it as somebody who is the head of Foster Wheels. Anyway, do you know what I mean? And I was gonna ask as well, just because I'm not entirely sure about this. So has the rate of care experienced young people increased since you joined um, Foster Wheels? Yeah, there's been a slight increase to the looked after population um, and a significant increase over the last 10 years. Um, I think last year, so the, the stats for 22-23 was the first slight decrease we saw. And obviously Welsh Government have got a strategy around reducing the looked after population across Wales and making sure that that support is at the front end to support children and young people to remain with their, their birth parents, their family members, wherever possible. Um, one thing that has significantly increased is children and young people being placed with family members under what we call kinship care arrangements. Um, so, you know, the, the, the fact that children and young people are able to stay with family members to, you know, that sense of belonging is so important and that continuity is so important. Obviously, that's not always in the best interest of the child. And that's where foster care, that's where mainstream foster care steps in and, um and that's when they'd be placed with a with a foster carer for the local authority then. Um, but yeah, I think last year saw the first decline, but other than that, it has been increasing over the last 10 years or so. Well, let's have our fingers crossed that it will continue to decline over the next few years. And um, I know my, the podcasters who are listening won't be able to see my face, but when you mentioned kinship care, I pulled a bit of a jib. And I'm just going to tell you my experience just because you wouldn't be aware of it. So I'm just gonna let you know. So okay. um, I mentioned I went into foster care when I was four. And when I was six to 12, I ended up in kinship care and I got abused really, really badly by my auntie. So 
I think, and it's a personal thing, that I don't think kinship care should always be the first route because some people, they do it for the wrong reasons. And I think as well, it is difficult for the young person as well because you're like, well, why can I live with you? But why can't I live with like my mum or my dad or whatever? And often it's not fully explained. And maybe my story is an anomaly like maybe a lot of foster homes if they are in kinship care they do tend to be positive but i do honestly believe that some people do do it for the wrong reasons Mm -hmm. and that's what i found when i was very very young and when we were being abused so we were abused by our auntie um, we were never allowed to see our foster care, not foster carer, social worker by ourselves. So what strategies are in place, if any, if it, you are suspecting that a child is being abused by their foster parents, what strategies are in place to ensure that that child can safely say what they're going through? Yeah, I'm firstly, you know, really sorry to hear about your experiences. And obviously, you know, those experiences have, have had an impact on you over your life. Um, and like we're talking about resilience and the ability to come through and the fact that you're able to kind of stand up and talk about that, you know, is is all credit to you. And, and uh, you know, I think you're phenomenal for being brave enough to do that. Um, in terms of in, in terms of kinship care, it is generally the kind of uh, the first route that we explore as fostering services, and that's for to keep the child within their own family network for that stability. Um, there is a comprehensive assessment framework that those carers go through, uh, and they're assessed under fostering regulations now. Um, in terms of if a, if a child you know was going through abuse and, and and wanted to kind of come forward and disclose that, obviously there is. Uh, children's social workers uh, the fact that you weren't allowed to see um you, your social worker on your own raises some alarm bells and concerns because obviously that space should be created that you know that that is part of our practice that's what we should be doing you should have the ability to speak to your social worker on your own the other thing that we've got in wales now is a is a kind of advocacy framework to make sure there's an active offer that every single care experienced young person has the offer of an advocate and that's somebody completely independent to the fostering service, completely independent to children's services, who's able to kind of come alongside you, speak, help you speak up, um, help you have influence over what's in your care plan and all that kind of stuff. But obviously somebody else to talk to, um, uh, to be able to, you know, talk about any concerns that you've got as well. So that offer is in place now across Wales. We've got another number of partner organisations that we're working with to be able to offer that um as well as creating space for you know groups of care experienced young people to come together um and, and to make sure there is significant challenges over social work in wales and the ability our ability to recruit social workers but we're looking at other mechanisms of how we can manage that in terms of offering in other people who perhaps aren't social workers to support the social workers in their role uh, and a number of teams are taking on support workers and things like that to add in another kind of another person into the team to be able to kind of take some of the pressure off and and to be able to support children and young people and support foster carers as well so yeah it's not a perfect system um there will be times when when, when things are missed but you know we're, we're 
doing everything we can to try and make that better really and, and i think the advocacy service is a real tick in the box so that children and young people can go to their foster carers with problems and if that's not possible or if they have concerns with their foster carers they can raise that with either the advocate or with the social worker yeah definitely i think that's really really great but i feel like a lot of young people don't maybe realize what they're going through maybe mm. is abuse so like you know it's great that there's social workers and advocates in the framework but if they don't realize what they're going through is abuse and they wouldn't know that it's wrong so like mm-hmm. maybe that's something to explore maybe like workshops for young people to know what would be right and what would be wrong maybe in a foster care environment and in an ideal world you know you this is your job and stuff and it's incredibly challenging and we've got social workers and everything like that but in an ideal world foster care wouldn't be a thing because it's just so difficult to think that there's people having children out there and they literally can't you know survive for themselves so to bring a child into the equation it's it's challenging it's challenging for everybody involved because you know we're the next generation now and um in terms of like your advocacy service is that something that foster children or young people in foster care are fully aware of or is it something that they have to maybe ask for when they need it yeah i think it should it should be something that's promoted and obviously that this sits under kind of the there's two different sides within a fostering arrangement obviously there's the foster carers and their their support network and their social worker and then the child has their own social worker as well so that would sit under the the children's side of things, which is an area of responsibility outside of fostering and outside of my responsibility. But that there should be a, a kind of an active offer, as you say, where the child is is informed about all the services that are available to them, informed about their rights, all that kind of stuff. You know, does that always happen? You know, 100% of the time? Probably not. Uh, there's, there's still more that we need to do with regards to that. Um, and it's not something that's kind of automatically applied because obviously there's a limited amount of, of people out there as advocates and things like that. Um, so it would be something that the child would have to ask for, but they should know that it's there in case they need it. I think is the crucial point there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the fact that like if you promote it a little bit more and we're aware that it's there, that will ease um, yeah. foster child's troubles maybe a little bit more because um, I'm guessing an advocate would go see them during school time so that would be separate to home life as well so if they have problems with their home life there's that clear sort of cut in the middle where there's a safety net for the young person and for you what does the future of foster care and wills look like? I think for me, um, firstly, kind of seeing less children coming into care uh, has got to be front and centre. I know Welsh Government have got a strategy to reduce the numbers, as as I said, Um, but it's about them having the right support to stay with parents or with birth family and and the parents having the right support in place to make sure that that can happen. And when that's not safe to do so, uh, obviously that's when fostering kind of steps in. Uh, And for me, it's about improving fostering as much as we possibly can for for both children and for foster carers 
Um, you know, we've made so many changes over the last two years in terms of, you know, the fact that we've got a national commitment now to our foster carers to make sure that they have got the, you know, every foster carer across Wales, whether they live in Bangor or Barry or anywhere in between, um, can, you know, have access to local support groups, that they've got dedicated support of um, peer mentors so that foster carers, um, you know, can learn from each other and kind of support each other. Um, that we hear the voices of our foster carers, massively important, but also hear the voices of our children and young people. And I've worked with some brilliant organisations across Wales to kind of make sure that that happens and, uh, you know, sat in sessions with care experienced uh, young people myself um, to make sure that the stuff that we're developing is is right for them. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've implemented a number of things, a learned development framework across Wales as well to make sure that all foster carers are trained to the same standard and have got the, the same knowledge between them. Um, but also that there's kind of consistency and flexibility in there as well, so that we're aware that it's not always a formal training course that people learn best from. They may learn best from, you know, sitting alongside another professional, sitting with a child's therapist and kind of working out you know, how best to deal with when child is having a meltdown. That's that's real comprehensive learning that they can take forward. So, yeah, they should be able to log that as part of their learning journey. Um, you know, there's some fantastic podcasts out there that are foster carers, and we know they lead really busy lives. So the fact that they can stick on a pair of earbuds, listen to a podcast, and still do the hoovering at the same time, yes, we should be classing that as part of the learning development. Um, so, yeah, to have a real comprehensive kind of package of support around our foster carers to make sure that they can support each other, but also that they're getting the right support from the fostering service as well, and that children in care are receiving the right levels of support as well. And like you said, whether that's through counselling or therapeutic work or therapeutic play, or, you know, there's a number of different avenues that we can explore with that. You know, we've come an awful long way in two years to improve local authority fostering, but there's, there's still more that we can do. Uh, and then I think the final thing is to make sure that whenever anyone comes or is thinking about fostering they automatically assume local authority so that we can keep children in their own local communities because that's so so important for kind of long-term stability uh, and like you referenced the ability to stay in the same school and not be moved from place to place and all that kind of stuff um so you know i've got a, a huge vision to kind of you know make sure that whenever anyone considers fostering the first port of call they've got is right i want to go to my local authority and find out more uh, and obviously, we're working with Welsh Government around their Eliminate Profit agenda as well. Um, so by 2027, there won't be any profit-making agencies allowed to exist in Wales, which is really good news to hear. Um, but we need to make sure that we've got still got enough places for children to live as well. So there's a need for us to recruit into the local authorities as much as possible as well. Yeah, so hopefully we'll see an incline in local authority and then a decline in the other sort of foster care practices as well. But it's so, so amazing to hear that there is change actually being made and like things are changing. Cause like as a young person in foster care, you don't see what's behind the scenes. You're just sort of experiencing it. You don't think that it's going to change, but to hear that it is, and all we need to see now is the action. And I'm really, really sort of, excited now for the future because it's gonna be better it's gonna be a safe place for young people in foster care and hopefully it continues to be that way and before we close up or anything is there anything else you'd like to add to the podcast 
Um, just to, if anybody is is listening and is interested in fostering um, or would like to find out more, um, they can go to our website, which is uh, fosterwales.gov.wales. Um, all our local authority fostering services are listed on there. There's some great stories from children and young people on there. There's some great stories from, from foster carers and some phenomenal outcomes you can read about on there um, and some videos and things like that as well. Keep an eye out for us. Um, you know, we are out and about in local communities all over the place. You can follow us across social media, um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the usual kind of places. Um, and for children and young people, I think my message is just bear with us. Like you said, that this is going to take time and it's not always recognised that things are actually happening. I, I started this role just over 18 months ago and I came in and said, this has got to be seen as a five to 10 year programme of change. We're not going to kind of undo everything we want to undo and create everything we want to create overnight. Um, we've got to take our time over it and make sure that we get it right. Um, and I think part of my role is continuously checking in with, you know, the local authority team managers and social workers, uh, the foster carers themselves, uh, and more importantly, children, and young people to, to kind of hear your views and make sure that what we're doing is, is right for you. Um, so, you know, we'll keep doing that. We'll keep banging the message of uh, wanting to make changes and make improvements to the, to the system and get things right. Will we always get things right? No, but we want, us to tell you, we want you to tell us when we don't, I think is the message as well. Uh, it's great to see that things like, you know, care lever provision has, has improved um, over the last few years. You know, the fact that support is now in place until 25, the fact that care leavers don't pay council tax until 25, I think some really, really big steps. But I think there's still more we can do in that area as well. So Amazing, amazing. And yeah, that's exactly the point. Like, you know, the you're going to hear the voices of all of the foster carers but to actually be able to hear the voice and stories of the young people as well that will give you so much insight as to what's going on in their minds what's going on in order to make change so it's really really great to hear that and I want to thank you one more time for being on this podcast because I've been wanting you on the podcast for the longest time so to finally have us sit down and actually have this conversation is huge so thank you very much oh it's my pleasure thank great to speak to you Thank you so much. And this episode, so I have basically, I've decided that February is going to be Foster Care Month on the Tate's Life podcast. So this episode is going to kick off Foster Care Month. So thank you. And yeah, I'll see you guys, whoever's listened to the end in my next episode. So thank you.